left has us all wrong. We don't want to simply turn the clock back to a time when the status quo of elitist deep state bureaucrats dominated us. We want to restore the republic our founders intended, an America that is of, by, and for the people. An America that abides by its constitution without fail. Coming to you from the land of common sense and American pride. The Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner starts now. Hello, Patriots. Welcome to episode 241 of the Patriot Review. Glad you're with me this morning or this evening, whenever you happen to be watching this. So I got to thinking, you know, what what is the what is the fact about history looking backwards and determining what had the greatest impact on the way history has been shaped and what has happened? And I came to the conclusion that largely words obviously drive action, right? So the power of words is absolutely enormous. And I wanted to reflect on that a little bit with you and talk about why words matter so much, why people like me and many, many much more talented at this than me uh, are speaking out and trying to use the power of words to motivate people and to save our country and to save freedom and to provide a legacy of freedom for our our children, our children's children, and so on. So, you know, looking back at history, I pulled some examples of words that explain and that should comfort us in the fact that we've been here before. We've done this before. We've seen tyranny before. We've seen um, awesome actions in our history to shape not only our countries, but our people. And I wanted to leave you with at least um, some, some words that will make you reflective and hopefully in the end, make you realize what the urgency is and realize that good always defeats evil in the end and why. And uh, so we're gonna talk about that and we're gonna show you some examples of that. So what I suggest is you get yourself a cup of coffee or whatever beverage of choice and try to um, try to just hear these words and reflect on these words in a peaceful environment because um, that's what it's going to call for today. We're going to think we're going to think uh, put our thinking caps on. As you know, I always have mine on <laughs> and uh, we're going to. We're going to really explore the power of words. I'll be right back. After we watched our daughter Grace die on FaceTime, I, uh, immediately felt that I needed to go to the hospital, even though I was still pretty sick. And I met Jessica and our pastor there. And um, while we were in the room, we, Jessica and I let us spend a few moments just with Grace alone. And it was, it was just a horrific um, sight to come upon. It was the fact that our daughter Grace was now gone. 
um, the emotions that came over the top of our, our minds and our, just our physical bodies were just unbelief. We, uh, we took her BiPAP off because it was still on. This was hope and prayers that somehow she wasn't really gone. And as soon as we did that, the color of grace changed. And um, we had to accept that she was truly gone. person set foot in that room. How can you do that? How can you allow an innocent person, a child, she's only 19 years old, die in front of your eyes? You don't do that. If you're human, you don't do that. They knew they weren't going to convince us to put Grace on a ventilator. That means the money was going to dry up. They had to have the money. And when you follow the money trail all the way through, you see that a ventilator is about a $300,000 decision. That they had higher paying patients in the emergency room. Grace was worth more dead than alive. We don't just need food, we need to eat food with a high nutritional value. Who wants to just survive food shortages? Let's thrive in times of adversity and lack. Optimize your daily nutrition and ensure you and your family have our two-year shelf-stable kingdom fuel as a cornerstone of your emergency food supply. Don't sacrifice your health or your taste buds. Stock up on kingdom fuel now. Ignore the thought police and subscribe or follow the Patriot Review. It's your patriotic duty. All right, we're back. So the power of words, you just saw an example in the commercial for Breaking the Oath, which is a documentary that I produced and directed about COVID protocols and how so many people were killed using those protocols. And it was all done on purpose. And that documentary is available for free. You can watch it on my website at redbloodedpatriots.com. You can also watch it on americafirstproductions.com, america1stproductions.com. It is free, like I said. Uh, on America First Productions, there's a director's edition. If you want to contribute, that money to, will go towards me doing more projects. And trust me, I could use it. <laughs> I've spent far more than what I've made doing this. Not that I'm uh, out to be rich off of anything, but, you know, it'd be nice to at least break even. But the message is critical, and those words that, that uh, were in that commercial uh, move have moved a lot of people. I get uh, comments, you know, on the uh, video and people sharing their experiences with how their relatives were victims as well. And um, it's sometimes shocking to believe that these things are happening in our country, and that is what today's show is about again, right? So we look back in history and we see many great people. Some people are, you know, generals. Some people are 
politicians even. Some people are business entrepreneurs and so on. Um, one such gentleman who had what I would call vision is Paul Harvey. And a lot of people talk about his If I Were the Devil speech. But he gave many speeches. And I wanted to start with him because one of the things that makes words effective is when they are the tools of visionaries. So people who people can who they can look in forward in the future and they can um, sum up a, a position or a juxtaposition and they can um, make you think and motivate you to maybe some take some action. So let's listen to one of Paul Harvey's speeches here. At Runnymede, the Magna Carta was handed to King John on the end of a sword denying to royalty the right of unlimited taxation. Yet you know it was for us, the American people, to become the first in recorded history ever voluntarily to surrender our rights to private property. Oh, yes, we did. With an innocent-sounding constitutional amendment, the 16th, which says that Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived, and we forgot to put any limit on the extent to which we could tax ourselves. Conceivably, we could be taxed out of all private property. We could be taxed not 70%, 80%, 90%, but 100%. We could awaken one morning and find that the government owns the farm and the house and the car and has a mortgage on the church, legally. Historically, whenever any nation has taxed its people more than 25% of their national income, initiative was destroyed and that nation was headed for economic eclipse. History says we'll roll forward on momentum for a little while, but we'd better get some more gas in the tank pretty quick. You see, ours is not the first by George good government to arise on the world stage. There have been several. Rome, Spain, and Greece, and China, and each enjoyed about 150 years at its zenith. That's just about our time in the New World. And then each decayed away. Not one of them was ever destroyed by anybody else's marching legions. Each rotted away, morally, socially, culturally, economically, simultaneously. You know, one of the most cruel paradoxes of history is this. Because each was a good government, it bore bountiful fruit. And when it bore bountiful fruit, the people got fat. And when they got fat, they got lazy. And when they got lazy, they began to want to absolve themselves of personal responsibility and turn over to government to do for them things which traditionally they had been doing for themselves. At first, there appears to be nothing wrong asking government to perform some extra service for you, but if you ask government for extra services, government, in order to perform its increasing function, has to get bigger, right? And as government gets bigger, in order to support its increasing size, it has to what? Tax the individual more, so the individual gets littler. And to collect the increased taxes requires more tax collectors, so the government gets and the government gets bigger, and the individual gets littler until the government is all-powerful. The individual is hardly anything at all. The government is all-powerful. The people are cattle. Now, some believe that the need is for a vigorous, strong man to arise on the scene, to regulate and regiment the affairs of men. Yet history tells us there have been several such. Once upon a time, there was a nation great and powerful and good, 
She was suffering from the aftermath of war, from a depression. And then came upon the scene a leader, an idealist, self-confident, intolerant of criticism. Wisely, he limited his early activities to combating the financial depression. Nobody could argue with that. But in a while, he began to regulate business and establish new rules to govern commerce and finance. Some of them in diametrical disagreement with the God-made laws of supply and demand, but anybody who disagreed with those new rules was promptly fired. The national debt mounted alarmingly. Whenever anybody tried to tell him that governments, even as people, can go broke when they spend beyond their incomes, he said they just didn't understand deficit finance. Well, what do you say? Did he build on rock or on sand? I say on sand. I am satisfied with all my heart that if Uncle Sam ever does get whipped, here too, it will have been an inside job. It was internal decay. It was not external attack that destroyed the Roman Empire. Starting about 146 B.C., internal conditions in Rome were characterized by a welter of class wars and conflicts, street brawls, corrupt governors, lack of personal integrity and moral responsibility. And Rome passed into what history has recorded as the Dark Ages, lasting a thousand years. Just by turning to the left, the world has gone in circles. Now either we will profit from the errors of their ways, or it follows as the night the day, our children are going to have to relive the Dark Ages all over again. How come, after thousands of years of experiment, our new nation has come so far, so fast? All this in less than 200 years. What is the secret of our success? Well, I think it had to do with a basic American's creed. Perhaps it never passed the pioneer's lips in this form, but if it had, I think he would have said something like this. I believe in my God, in my country, and in myself. I know that sounds like a trite too simple thing to say, and yet it's a rare man today who will dare to stand up and say, I believe in my God and my country and in myself, and in that order. Well, sir, when that early pioneer turned his eyes toward the West, he didn't demand that somebody else look after him. He didn't demand a free education. He didn't demand a guaranteed rocking chair at eventide. He didn't demand that somebody else take care of him if he got ill or got old. There was an old-fashioned philosophy in those days that a man was supposed to provide for his own and for his own future. He didn't demand a maximum amount of money for a minimum amount of work. Nor did he expect pay for no work at all. Come to think of it, he didn't demand anything. That hard-handed pioneer just looked out there at the rolling plains, stretching away to the tall green mountains, and then lifted his eyes to the blue skies and said, Thank you, God. Now I can take it from here. Well, that spirit isn't dead in our country. It's dormant. It's been discredited in some circles, driven underground, but it isn't dead. It's just that a few seasons ago, politicians baiting their hooks with free barbecue and trading a Ponzi promise for votes began telling us, we don't want opportunity anymore. We want security. We don't want opportunity, they said. We want security. They said it so often we came to believe them. We wanted security. And they gave us chains, and we were secure. Suddenly, with our constitutional guarantees depleted, with our national character eroding away, with our tax laws penalizing those who dare to prosper, 
with workers concentrating on how little they can get by with instead of how much they can produce, suddenly we looked overhead one day to discover that the first tin moon in space was a Russian accomplishment. That free men dragging their feet had been outdistanced by slave workers dragging their chains. And we were sore afraid. Perhaps this was a disguised blessing, too. ever been so limitless. On the threshold of his highest adventure of all, his first faltering footsteps into space. Twenty years from today, half of the products you will be using in your everyday living aren't even in the dictionary yet. We've got it made. If we just keep on keeping on, we've got it made. And if we don't, we will follow those other great nation-states of history into the graveyard of ignominious oblivion. History promises only this for certain. We will get exactly what we deserve. And I think that's where we're at today, don't you? I think that uh, Paul Harvey's words there could, could apply to today. It's as if he um, is right next to us, basically. And his words, his vision, turns out to be absolutely true. As you can tell, I'm still having a little technical issues. And uh, I think this weekend I'll spend some time trying to clean my computer off. So it, that doesn't happen. But um, one thing about this is that, as I said at the opening, you know, we've been here before. And <laughs> it's funny, I just called uh, MTG's office last week and left a message for her. Did not get to talk to her directly. But one of the things that I thought that we might need to do is to have our a vote taken of the people in the House and the Senate uh, to pass a bill that requires a certain amount of constitutional proficiency, knowledge of, of the Constitution and its intent, that every politician that enters into federal or state office has to actually take an examination and understand the Constitution. The other thing I'd like to do is have them reaffirm both the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution in writing and have that available on every one of their, their websites so that they make a statement of their committal and don't just speak the oath and then run off and forget all about it. And that's what they've been doing for many, many years. So one of the things that I know is true is that many Americans have never really read the Constitution or understood the, the Declaration of Independence. So I think it's worth it, especially to look today at the Declaration of Independence and see how parallel it actually is. How we ourselves, this mega movement, we are the island, right? We are the, the ones that are, uh, as the patriots back in 1775 we are the we're them and the the enemy is not britain it's not a king in britain it's an elite in washington dc and it's so it's it's so parallel that one of my efforts as you may be aware of is to create a declaration of accountability 
a declaration of freedom and accountability. And basically that is a reaffirmation of the Declaration of Independence along with a whole new set of grievances that we demand resolution for. And that is available on my website. You can look at the current language and provide feedback at redbloodedpatriots at protonmail.com if you like. But let's take a look at what the declaration actually was. It's worth the listen and it will keep this all in context. In Congress, July 4, 1776, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such forms as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present King of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good, he has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained. And when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. 
He has refused for a long time after such dissolutions to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers, incapable of annihilation, have returned to the people at large for their exercise, the state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states, for that purpose obstructing the laws of naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us in times of peace standing armies without the consent of our legislators. He has affected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by a mock trial, from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states, for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, for abolishing the free system of English laws in a neighboring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government, and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies, for taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments, for suspending our own legislators and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny, already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages, and totally unworthy the head of a civilized nation. He has constrained our fellow citizens taken captive on the high seas to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrections among us, and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince, whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant, is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attention to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. 
We have reminded them of the circumstances of our emigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They too have been deaf to the voice of justice and of consanguinity. We must, therefore, acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war, in peace, friends. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general congress, assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do, in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British Crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Do you see it? Do you see the parallels that were described in the Declaration of Independence to what we're going through today? Do you see that you could swap out when it, when they when they talk about the grievances and they say he did this or he did that? You you could swap it out with the the um, the deep state, right? The elites did this, the elites did that, and many of the the same, I think, um, you know, infringements of people's rights and in our case, our constitutional rights. Uh, were described in in the very first instance of the Declaration of Independence. And today we have many other uh, things to add to that. And um, what I want you to come away with is the reality that the mega movement, the, the so-called Trumpsters, we are not the revolutionaries. We are not the insurgents. It is them. It is the deep the deep state. It is the elites. They are the revolutionaries. They are trying to make us a socialist society, actually a fascist society. And we are the counter-revolutionaries. We are the ones that are in the right. We are the ones that want to uh, continue to follow and abide by our foundational documents and our foundational values. And they are the insurgents. And that is a fact. Now, in part two, we're going to go, right after this break, we're going to go into in the possibilities. And um, I'll have a, a piece that really made me think exactly of, of President Trump. We'll be right back after this.
right, so we have looked at you know, Paul Harvey as a visionary talking about what he thinks the United States would be facing, and you know what? We are facing exactly what he said. And then we went into the Declaration of Independence, and we found out that you know, we are facing many of the same grievances that our forefathers had, and that those words are still applicable today, and that we actually are the counterinsurgents. We are the counter-revolutionaries. And all of these socialist, Marxist, Marxist, fascist, whatever you want to call them, they are destroying our country. They are the, they are the revolution. They are the insurgency. And therefore, they must go. Now, the question is, what are you prepared to do? Right? It's not, it's not somebody else. It's not President Trump that's going to run to our rescue. And in four years, with a midterm included, he is not going to have the opportunity to correct all of this. So just like the police, when the police say to you, you know, if you're, especially if you're in a rural situation, you are your first line of defense. Well, we are the first line of defense for our country, and it's not President Trump. God love him. Uh, I think he'll be extremely effective. I think he'll win. But that doesn't mean that we don't have skin in the game, and that's what I want to impress upon you now. There is a, a piece of video I'm going to show now, which is just a reading of a poem, and I think this one is uh, Kipling. Um, so this reminded me, though, of Trump. And uh, I thought it was applicable, so I'm going to go ahead and play that now. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies or being hated, don't give way to hating and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master. If you can think and not make thoughts your aim. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to, broken, and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss, and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. 
if you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings, nor lose the common touch. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with sixty seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And, which is more, you'll be. All right, so then you'll be a man, my son. So <laughs> that uh, that that poem, you know, is so applicable to Trump because it talks about uh, obviously the entrapment of fools by twisting his words and other and other things. So I found it um, really applicable, and I hope you did too. The comment that I made before the last one is that you know we we aren't we aren't um, able to depend on one person, right, to fix everything that's wrong. We're not able to depend on our politicians to fix things that are right. And it's not just Trump's responsibility, it's ours. So this this next piece gets in a little bit of that. And this is, uh, this is actually Teddy Roosevelt. We'll go ahead and listen to that. The poorest way to face life is to face it with a sneer. There are many men who feel a kind of twisted pride in cynicism. There are many who confine themselves to criticism of others do what they themselves dare not even attempt. There is no more unhealthy being, no man less worthy of respect than he who either really holds or feigns to hold an attitude of sneering disbelief toward all that is great and lofty, whether in achievement or in that noble effort which, even if it fails, comes to second achievement. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasm, great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who, at the best, knows in the end the triumph of high achievement? And who, at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly? so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. All right, so 
again, it's a it's a message that uh, we all we all need to take a shot at doing what's right and uh, get off the sidelines and and jump in the arena and fight for our country, fight for our families, fight for our faith. And um, that's the only choice we really have in the end. Otherwise, we give up, right? All right, I'll be right back after this to wrap it up. And uh, I've got a couple of really good ones for you to end it with and leave it on a motivational and uh, aspirational footing. Be right back. Hey, Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner. Let's face it, it's getting harder and harder to make ends meet. It's only going to get worse. This inflation is going to continue. As a matter of fact, our dollar is in jeopardy of even existing with the crazies that want to go to the digital currency to control us all. You can go to Kirk Elliott phd.com slash the patriot review get all kinds of free great information and invest in gold and silver for your future our world is full of electromagnetic fields that even though we can't see them are affecting our bodies our sleep and even our ability to think clearly the advent of 5g is only making this worse there is an answer Visit Fix the World by clicking the link in the Patriot Review show description below to view natural products that can actually protect you from EMF and 5G and even improve your sleep. Skeptical? Get the free Dangers of EMF Radiation ebook free by clicking on its direct link also in the show description. Here's a nutritional hack anyone can master. Replace a meal a day with our kingdom feel. Or if you're a moth from the gym, Add a shake to your daily meal plan. Our unique meal shakes are balanced, low glycemic, rich in fiber, 20 grams of clean protein, essential vitamins and minerals, healthy fat, and organic fruits and vegetables. Kingdom Fuel is vegan with a complete amino acid profile. Bottom line, it's a simple start to a transformed life. No gimmicks, just results. Start today. Hey, Patriots, you can save up to 66% at MyPillow.com when you use the code TPR. That stands for The Patriot Review. That's TPR or call 800-519-9927. That's 800-519-9927. I use these products myself. I can tell you they are the best quality bar none. So go ahead, use the code TPR and get up to 66% off right now. Coming to you from the land of common sense and American pride. Not a unicorn or rainbow in sight. Welcome back to the Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner. All right, we're here to wrap it up. And what's going to happen here is I'm going to play you some Longfellow. And uh, then I'll have, well, I'll introduce the last one after this. But... um, if you want to get your hands on the Kingdom Fuel, just a reminder, go to Sherwood.tv slash TPR, Sherwood.tv slash TPR, and use TPR as your coupon code on MyPillow and My Store. You can actually save up to 80% in some of the MyPillow products. So please check that out. You can help me, and then I can help you. So I'm going to get into Longfellow now, and this really is talking about, you know, what... Um, 
what we have to do moving forward and what we have to do to, in the end, have good defeat evil. And I believe it, it always will. And I'll tell you why when I come back to wrap everything up after this. Tell me not, in mournful numbers, life is but an empty dream. For the soul is dead that slumbers, and things are not what they seem. Life is real, life is earnest, and the grave is not its goal. Dust thou art, to dust returnest, was not spoken of the soul. Not enjoyment and not sorrow is our destined end or way, but to act that each tomorrow finds us farther than today. Heart is long and time is fleeting, and our hearts go stout and brave, still like muffled drums are beating, funeral marches to the grave. In the world's broad field of battle, in the bivouac of life, be not like dumb-driven cattle. Be a hero in the strife. Trust in no future, however pleasant. Let the past bury its dead. Act, act in the living present, heart within and God o'erhead. Lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime. And departing leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. Footprints that perhaps another, sailing o'er life's solemn main, a forlorn shipwrecked brother, seeing shall take heart again. Let us then be up and doing, with a heart for any fate, still achieving, still pursuing, learn to labor and to wait. So how about it? Are we going to pursue this? I think we are. I think you're seeing a lot of great things happening. I think we don't know of many of the great things that are happening behind the scenes. And uh, I think that the so-called white hats will come out victorious. And I'll tell you why. There's one thing, one thing that Satan cannot destroy. I was listening to a story. Uh, I listen to audiobooks frequently uh, when I go to sleep, right? They relax me and... Um, I was listening to The Sandman, the first in the series, which is an audible production. And there's a scene within the story, and um, it's it's produced almost like a radio show of the past, right? It's got actors who actually acted out, and I got the sound effects in there and stuff. But anyway, there's a scene in there that um, there's a, there's a um, king of dreams, The Sandman, who goes into hell to retrieve an object. And he gets caught in a kind of a riddle game, and he has to defeat one of the demons using the old uh, riddle, the old, uh, you know, I'm going to turn into this beast, and then the other person turns into one that devours that beast and goes back and forth. And it ended with the, the uh, King of Dreams, the Sandman, saying, I am hope, because hope is the only thing that Satan can't destroy. So Satan uses fear, and we see people, and we see fear, we saw fear in the pandemic that was just the BS, 97.9% survival rate disease, 
virus, whatever whatever you want to call it, um, sickness. And look at the fear that manipulated us. The power of words, again, used for the negative, used for the, the enemy's agenda. And the power of words works both ways, doesn't it? I hope today that you, you saw some um, inspiration in, in your reflection of what was being said. Now, a lot of times we as Americans look back on history and we pick, you know, as conservative Americans, we pick uh, speeches by, by, by Trump, by Reagan, by you know, some of the, uh, the great founding fathers, and we look to those for inspiration. But there's one other man that I wanted to end with, and, and I mentioned before that we are on the island, right? We're the island. Our enemies are, are around us. They're trying to destroy us. They're trying to take our nation away from us. And uh, I want you to listen to, to this and to, to really understand that when we participate and when we use the power of words, good will always, always win. So take a listen. Hope you enjoy this. Hitler knows that he will have to break us in this island or lose the war. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duty. So bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its Commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will still say, this was their finest hour. Arm yourselves and be ye men of valor, and be it is better for us to perish in battle than to look upon the outrage of our nation and our altar. And the will of God is in heaven. Even so, let him do. I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. We have before us an ordeal of the most grievous kind. We have before us many, many long months of struggle and of suffering. You ask what is our policy? I will say, it is to wage war by sea, land, and air, with all our might, with all the strength that God can give us, to wage war against a monstrous tyranny never surpassed in the dark and lamentable catalogue of human crime. That is our policy. You ask, what is our aim? I can answer in one word, victory. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. For without victory there is no survival. Now we are the masters of our fate. That the task which has been set us is not above our strength. That its pangs and toils are not beyond our endurance. Long as we have faith in our cause, and uh, an unconquerable willpower, salvation will not be denied us. Never give in. Nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. 
never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. We shall fight in France, we shall fight on the seas and oceans, we shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air, we shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. Never yield to force, never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. We stood all alone a year ago, and to many countries it seemed that our account was closed. We were finished. All this tradition of ours, our school history, our songs, this part of the history of our country, all were gone and finished and liquidated. Very different is the mood today. Britain, other nations thought, had drawn a sponge across her slate. But instead, our country stood in the gap. There was no flinching, no thought of giving in. And by what seemed almost a miracle to those outside these islands, though we ourselves never doubted it, we now find ourselves in a position where I say we can be sure that we have only to persevere to conquer. Advance Britannia! Long live the cause of freedom! God save the King! I think that that is um, the perfect place to end this. I believe in my God, my country, and in myself. If we all would say that every day when we get up, we will advance this cause. This revolution will be put down. We will have our country back. And that, in the end, is what we want. Again, to preserve freedom for future generations and to make sure that this country is still the beacon of hope that it has been for so many around the world. That's all I've got for you today. I appreciate your time and appreciate your views. And um, I have to say that I am you know, getting, I'm getting a lot more views, especially on blessed news. And I hope that you find this type of thing you know, interesting and effective. And um, I'm going to leave it for today. We'll see you tomorrow. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a January 6th political prisoner rotting away in horrible conditions? January 6th patriots are subject to cruel and unusual punishment every day and kept imprisoned for nearly three years without trial. These American heroes have to survive inhumane conditions where they lack basic food nutrients, clothing, and hygiene. Joe Biden's corrupt Department of Justice and FBI Gestapo has been making sure the families of these brave patriots are suffering as well. The breadwinner has been ripped out of the home, and these young families are being extorted thousands of dollars a year to keep up with commissary costs for their J6 prisoner. Many families have been completely devastated, missed mortgage payments and kicked out of their homes, and even the family car repossessed. The ongoing battle these families face to stay afloat and support their loved ones in prison is in desperate need of our help. You can now sponsor a January 6th family to help support them in their greatest time of need. SponsorJ6.com is a new organization started by January 6th political prisoner for 965 days, Jake Lang, ensuring 100% of funds made go to Patriots Commissary accounts. By becoming a sponsor of a J6 family, 
you can ensure one of the nearly 200 currently incarcerated J6 prisoners is properly clothed and fed. Sign up today to give the vital help these families need and make a real impact in the lives of our POWs. Head to SponsorJ6.com and support our Patriots.